Welcome everyone. I'm Kevin Miller and this is the Ziggler show inspired by the grandfather of inspiration himself, Zig Ziggler. Our focus here is you and your personal development. The way to have more tomorrow is to become more today. So we bring you the best of today's world influencers and their messages and discover how we can all apply new and classic methodologies of personal growth to our lives. Well, this is a special episode on habits for almost two years. Now I've had every single guest on the Ziggler show comprised of today's most successful influencers in personal development, share their personal habits for success. They share exactly what they do in each of the seven spokes of the Ziggler wheel of life. It's inspiring and empowering. From this, I want to help you with your own habits. It's one thing to understand the benefit of great habits and to hear what all these successful people are doing. It's another thing to actually make the decision ahead of time and then in the appropriate moment to start your own habits and continue your own habits. And you may be in a rough place in life where you feel trapped and overwhelmed or just desiring but stalled out for whatever reason. And the point of this show is to reveal what is really needed before the habit can really happen and stick. And it will likely showcase to many of you why you are struggling with your healthy habits or lack thereof. So this dives down from the habit show where you hear what successful people do to the how and the why. I'll run through five attributes that precede establishing healthy habits, then walk through the seven spokes of the Ziggler Wheel of Life and clarify the background and the roots a root understanding that will help you not just take action, but really know why beyond the face value comprehension. So I'm going to start right with you after I share some great resources from our show sponsors. 90% of my work is what in truth is personal development research. Most of my day is reviewing the latest and greatest messages on the market, you know, that we can get access to and breaking them down and having deep conversations with the authors, which I broadcast here on the Ziegler show podcast. I mean, this, that right there makes up probably close to 50% of my work. My other work is in what is labeled as health and wellness, but it's still just personal growth, personal development. It's about, uh, you know, somebody's in one place and they want to get to another me as well but they have a problem they want to solve or a desire they want to fulfill. Uh, though in truth, there's another reason. There are plenty of listeners and patients and clients and all my businesses who just want that feel good that comes with positive pursuits and input. They don't have a specific pain or a desire big enough to really do something or even feel like they need to, but it feels good. Uh, that's why a lot of people go to church and it's not all bad. Uh, they're, if they're generally good and happy, then that's fine too. It's what helps keep our hope and our positivity alive. We all have to just decide where we are in our own journeys. So I get billed, though, as a personal development expert these days, and it's profound how much good info you can know and not always take action on. Just because I know this stuff does not mean I've got every area of life nailed down. I mean, think of sports coaches, right? They may be brilliant in their knowledge and what they lead others in doing, and they're not doing a lick of it themselves. Now, I don't think I'm that bad, but you get the point. So I, uh, I, 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 what I'm privy to is profound, and, and, uh, but I'm on the journey with you guys. I'm trying to apply things to my life and to progress in the areas that I want to. And we're all on different levels of that, but we are in the boat together. Here in this episode, I want to address something foundational regarding personal growth 
Every other week now for two years, I host the habits show with each guest I have on the show who's somebody massively influential in the personal growth arena. I walk through, as you know, the seven spokes on the Ziegler wheel of life and I audit their personal habits, rituals, and investments. Zig made this wheel of life famous. He said, if you, in essence, want to want to have your wheel of life rolling along well, you need a plan and healthy habits in each area. Any area that's left untended is going to cause bumps in your life as you roll through. Well, I actually started this show for the reason of relatability, which is interesting. Back to Zig, he started most of his talks when he was on stage of telling a little story of his own life, how he was five years old, the 11th of 12 kids, dad died, he had to go to work early, and really laid out, hey, if I can do it, so can you. And I know a lot of people, he did this for a reason, a lot of people see an author, expert, speaker, influencer, and think that they are truly something special, that they have something other people don't. And we're enamored right now with superheroes in our culture. And this is a perception I think that's often given to these influential or famous people, that they have something we do not. And it's not true. So again, why I did this habit show, it was to show that these folks are regular people like you and I. But, you know, they, they know that they need to do certain things and they do them. So they're just regular people who have made the decision to do certain things to get certain results. So I would say, are they special in innately? No, but they are special in that they do the things day in and day out that the average person doesn't do. Prior to hosting the Ziegler show, I walked with well over a thousand people as a coach, consultant, and leader who in helping them transition from traditional employment to self-employment, uh, finding a viable business idea that fit them and the marketplace, and then monetize that, not to minimize it, but it wasn't the hardest thing ever. It was the people themselves. And it is with me as well. It's not my business uh, you know, business plans and my efforts that fail. It's, it's me. It's dealing with myself. Yeah. So with these folks, you know, getting them to have enough faith, to be motivated enough, to take the necessary steps, to employ new habits, to enable their success. That's where it ended up in. Again, we're back to personal development. So even as we're trying to do business development, we're back to personal development. And again, yeah, I know from my own life, my gosh, few people have been exposed to the amount of personal growth and knowledge that I have. And more than exposed, I engage in it. I study it, have deep conversation with these folks. That's what I bring you guys. And I've coached and consulted and written and done so much. I do have an upcoming book uh, that I think is a profound message from some of this. But the point is, I am involved in my own daily journey, my own daily pursuit, uh, problems and pains that I want solved, desires that I want fulfilled. So with all this said, I want to shine a light on some root issues surrounding the pursuit of good habits and from them, the good results, the successes you want in life, some reasons why you may not be making the progress that you want. And then I'm going to share some insights into each of the seven spokes. All right, so we're going to start off five massive points for your life success that lead up to the seven spokes. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you a preface. If you are good where you are, totally at peace, enjoying life, all is good, no needs or lack of, then, you know, maybe you don't need this show. But I think for most of us, we have somewhere where we can progress, somewhere where we can be a little bit better. All right, number one then, folks, awareness. The second greatest threat to our personal growth is what we don't know where we are blind, where we are ignorant. And ignorance is not a bad thing. It's, it's not being dumb. It's just lacking knowledge. 
the most dangerous thing is what we think we know and don't really know. And we, <laughs> there's, there's few things when we think that we know them that we're proficient in and other people know better. There's few things that'll degrade our credibility more than this. But awareness, if there's an area of your life you're not totally, fully satisfied with, it is your responsibility to pursue, find, and gain knowledge, to become aware, to find out where you are blind, where you are lacking, where you're going wrong. Most people go through life never increasing their personal awareness because they never endeavor to. And, you know, on that, I mean, listening to copious amounts of blogs, reading books, all the self-help stuff, you can do that and you're gaining new knowledge and be totally lacking in self awareness and it will kill every effort that you are making. All right. I mean, either you desire to improve really or not, uh, you become more and more aware of yourself or not. I mean, this is a maturity issue, a desire uh, for wisdom and resulting positive outcomes. You would not be here listening to this show though, if you were not seeking in general, uh, though, again, and, and nothing against it. Some are here because it just feels good. Positive entertainment, in essence. And better here than filling your mind with brain candy. But awareness, folks, and, and really self-awareness. I believe it to be the most, I'm tempted to say the most grand of all, uh, the most grand pursuit of all pursuits. But it's, I think it's the most foundational. And we all know people who know a lot. They know a lot. They consume a lot. They grow as far as their knowledge, but they have certain areas where they are so lacking in self-awareness and it's killing them and they don't know it. You don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person. We've got to be looking at ourselves. Okay. So number two, again, folks, these are the things that sabotage when we get to the habits, being able to take them on. That's one of them. <clears throat> awareness, self-awareness. Number two, responsibility as a viable human. It is our responsibility to take inventory of our lives, to take full responsibility for our lives and not give any power or excuse to anyone or anything else for this task. Either we take responsibility for our life success or we don't for our very lives or we don't end of story. Uh, for most, this is really just too much to embrace. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you on that. If it is, you're, you're in a bad place. Uh, hopefully I can round this out a little bit. One of my favorite messages on this topic and, and controversial, I'll say, I'll say comes from Tom Bilyeu. So he, I, I interviewed him. It's been a while and I did not, I failed to get the show number, but Tom Bilyeu, he co-founded quest nutrition, which is now a billion dollar company. Today he hosts the top podcast and video channel impact theory. I have shared his stuff so often, but during an interview that he was doing, he got on a soapbox about personal responsibility. The clip was labeled, it's all your fault. And in it, he uses this preposterous analogy of, I think it was a meteor crashing through his roof and killing his wife and him choosing to take the approach that it was his fault. He even has t-shirts out now that are labeled, it's all my fault. Well, and he talks in there, he says, of course, you know, that is, it's preposterous. How can a meteor coming through the roof be his fault? But if he takes the other stance and he gives blame to something else, he gives his power and control away and is a victim. And this just never leads to anything good. And I'll take it further and say, when we blame or make excuses or justify, we are giving our power. We're saying, I have some power, but I'm going to give it away. And this can sound, you can take this the wrong way, a personal power. 
uh, you know, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And I think my power comes from there, but I have personal power given to me and I have a responsibility, uh, for myself. And so I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm going to be shameless in that, that we have power doing these things. These victim aspects gives away our power. That's the definition of a victim. A victim does not want to take fault for anything. And usually that comes from severe pain. They can't take it on. They're in enough pain already. But we have a culture now that seems absolutely terrified of accepting any fault or accountability for themselves. Anything wrong in their life is someone or uh, something else's fault. Now, something that derails this for most people is that when they are, are wrong and to blame and they are at fault, they have no grace for themselves and just lower themselves to nothing. Well, you can't do that either. That's the wrong side of it. So along with taking responsibility, taking control, not giving that power away, being 100% accountable for your life and circumstances – you must also have a great self-image. You've got to be bolstering that grace, great self-worth, self-confidence, and, and grace. When I complain about a mistake I made or a weakness I have, my wife will often respond. She says, hey, it just proves you're human, Kevin. You don't have to be Superman. That's what I fall back on. Uh, so it's a work in progress for me too. I mean, you can do personal responsibility wrong and unhealthy, but Far more people need the message of taking full responsibility for their lives. Do not give your power away. It is vital. So that's step number two as a preface to really taking on these habits of success. Number three is desire. We will never change until and unless we have a strong enough desire. A lot of people can start right there. I mean, anything we think we should do, we're not going to do. Did you hear me on that? Anything that's labeled in the should category, you're not going to do it. Should is not, should is not enough motive to move us right now. You can make a list of all the things that you feel you should do. I can too. That is a list of things you're not going to do, or you'll procrastinate until it's dire. Uh, I'll do that with my taxes, man. It's, it's, I procrastinate until my CPA has to file an extension. Then I finally do it because I have to. And then I pay the extra fines. That is a bad plan. So I encourage you make a should list and do yourself a favor. Uh, if there are some dire things on there, schedule them in concrete and make them happen, but take the rest and maybe just throw the list away. Then give your full attention to the really important things. So if you're not satisfied uh, with life in general, I mean, you want more, but you're not making progress. Just stay here in this desire until you find something you want enough or find out how to increase your desire for something you think you truly do want. And one last piece on this, I've, I've shared it regarding goals. Look at your desires and ask what ones you cannot accept changing. You, you can't, you're not going to be okay if it doesn't happen. If you look forward six months or two years and you say, man, I am not okay if X, Y, Z does not change. Or if I don't achieve that, uh, that is a great way to look at it. I did that. It was my primary motive when I built a house. I think it's been about 12 years now and looking ahead, I was not okay with years going by and my kids not living in the environment. I felt called to raise them in, which was a big home with a lot of land in the woods, uh, you know, in the midst of hiking, biking and the best of the, the Colorado Rockies. To me, it wasn't a luxury. I felt, I felt convicted that my kids were to grow up in that. And I did some impossible things to make it happen during some hard business and financial times, but I just could not accept it not happening and the years going by and then not growing up in that environment. So it's somewhat of a backwards way to go about it, but it, man, if backwards will get you there, bravo. Number four, and this is out of five, number four, decisions. 
Ultimately, folks, your life success will depend on your minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, and really moment by moment decisions. I mean, we're talking about habits, but those are just a result of a decision. The habit of going to bed earlier and waking up earlier is a decision we will choose to make or choose not to make in that moment. The decision to eat a healthy meal or grab fast food is the decision we will make or not. Now we're, you know, we're back to desire somewhat. Do you desire it enough to make the right decision? The decisions we make over and over continually become those healthy or unhealthy habits that we're all trying to establish. No good decision, no good habit, no good outcome, which is a bad decision. I mean, look, none of us can change the past, but we do have a hundred percent ability to decide what we will or won't do in the next moment, good decision or bad decision and not choosing is a decision ultimately for a bad decision is when if we're left to unintentionality will succumb ultimately to our appetites, to our flesh, which will just go for the next dopamine hit. What tastes good, feels good in the moment. And this is how most of the world lives and I'm not being, I'm trying not to be negative and pessimistic, but man, we're seeing the stats. We see this, this, that is the norm. So you've got to choose to be, Decide to be abnormal. It, truly, it's pithy to say, but it just is true. And you spend your time listening to these podcasts, listening to abnormal people uh, who we love and, and we follow and we revere. You can be that person. Last one justification. Your mind, my mind, it wants nothing more than to justify everything you do and think. Uh, to blame in essence, to have an excuse, to be a victim. I'm working right now, literally, I am working to say, to not say, I'm sorry, to not say I have to, or I need to in my daily activity. It's that's literally victim excuse language. That is the norm. Uh, instead, I want to say, you know, to my wife, Hey honey, I want to work. I want to, I want to go to work right now because I want to provide for my family or I want, you know, income to do whatever, or I want to bless people or whatever it may be instead of the natural, okay, Hey, I got to go to work now. I want to change. Here's one. I want to change the baby's diaper because it will irritate his skin if I don't. And I don't really care to dote on him when he smells like a toxic waste dump instead of, Oh crap, man, I have to change the kid's diaper. I mean, you can even see, you can, you can hear the difference in how you speak that. I mean, you can't speak. I want negatively. And when you say that I need to, I have to, it comes across. I mean, you hear the voice inflection and the aligning bad attitude will follow that. What and how you speak does affect how you think and feel. So if you quit the, I have to, I need to with everything in your life, it makes a difference. So, you know, back to number two, taking responsibility, being in control of your life, speaking words of control. I want, I'm going to do whatever are empowering words. A competent in control person will do what they want and not live in a world of, I have to, I need to, and I must, uh, I, I can look, it can look somewhat like semantics, but again, man, the words program our attitudes and our brains, and our perspective massively. I mean, try to go for one day without making any excuses, without justifying your decisions and actions. It's near impossible, which is a red flag for all of us. So look at those things. You might want to listen to those again and question yourself. Where do you fall in those? Because those are likely the ingredients that are affecting whether you're able to put all the good habits into place that you would like to. All right? Um, and as we now go, I'm going to run through the seven spokes on the Ziegler wheel of life. What works in each area will be unique to you. 
What works for one person may not work for you. You have to find your own secret sauce. It's like my buddy, uh, Randy James, Dr. Randy James, my co-host in the true life show. will say when somebody says, Hey, what's the best exercise to do? And he'll say whatever one you will keep doing. If it's badminton, cause you love that do badminton. If it's swimming, if it's cycling, if it's running, if it's yoga, it's whatever, whatever you will do consistently Go do that. Same thing. The thing that's going to work for you here is whatever works for you. There's going to be some threads similar for all of us, but you're looking for your secret sauce. And another thing, this process, these, these things that we're talking about are going to be easier. Some areas, some areas are going to be easier for you than others. And there's some people who it's going to be easier for than others. If you were raised in a good, positive environment with encouragement and, and positive results, and positive speaking, it's going to be easier for you. If you were raised in abuse and hardship, it's likely going to be harder. Though we do find with some folks uh, who, who were raised in adverse circumstances, they can grasp onto this harder because they really, really want it. And they will not do with not making it happen. Well, friends, those five aspects are worth listening to again and pausing after each one to audit yourself and where you feel you stand Well, next I run through the seven spokes on the Ziegler wheel of life to reveal some perspective on the how and why that will equip you to better engage and employ your own desired healthy habits. We'll dive in right after I share some great products and services from our show sponsors. All right, here we go. Ziegler wheel of life, seven spokes. Number one, physical is where we, that's how Zig listed it, but I expanded that physical and nutrition. Uh, because when I want to talk to a person about it, I want to hear what they're doing on the physical side and the nutritional side for their personal health. So the Ziegler wheel of life, it's a circle, uh, of course, but when Zig wrote it out, he started listed physical first. I have a personal sensitivity folks to personal development and the self-help world where everyone is touting that their focus, you know, is the focus, the Holy grail. So I'm not going to say that the physical aspect of life is most important. I do end up putting a lot of focus there personally, because I think one, it's just my own calling. That's what God burdened me with passion and passion me with, but I will make a case that it is First, not best, not most important, sequentially first. And I like to use the analogy of a foundation of a house. So I built my current house over a decade ago. And what comes first? The foundation. We poured a 2,400-foot concrete slab. And today our big two-story home stands upon it. So nobody's ever come in and talked about the foundation. They've never driven up, come inside and said, wow, man, that is an awesome foundation. In home shows, don't bring in crowds uh, that ever ooh and ah about, ah, the foundation. I mean, you don't even see it usually, but everything that we love and desire about the house sits on that foundation. Foundation falls, everything crumbles. Well, folks, everything we do in life comes out of the foundation of our body. If it is compromised, so are all our efforts. I mean, I cannot stress this enough. I'm burdened at seeing more and more people with amazing desires, amazing gifts and callings that they can bring the world. And they're being minimized or taken out by a lack of energy, you know, brain fog and much more dire physical impairments. It's a chronic tragedy in our world and the United States specifically 
so much so I started a new podcast. I mentioned it a minute ago to address it. And you can check it out. Go to, I really implore you, go subscribe to the True Life Show. I co-host that with my best friend and business partner, Randy James. He's a medical doctor who specializes in functional medicine. And, and folks, the show is significant. It's a lot of what we've been wanting to get out for a long time. Uh, for your own sake, I just, I really encourage you go subscribe. I want you, if you want your mind and life fully functioning, start with getting your body. And when you can't have body without mind fully functioning, uh, out of every massive influencer I brought onto this show, there has never been one, not one who didn't have a plan here. Even a few who said that after years, they still hate physical exercise, but they do whatever it takes, get personal trainers and more invest in it to keep them on point here because they know it's vital to their overall success. Okay. So there's some of the, the how and the why behind the first spoke physical nutrition. Number two spoke family and friends, the number one source of pain, hurt, hardship in people's lives, which again, minimize, just like body minimizes everything you do is right here. Relationships. I mean, the only hope is in what you are intentionally going to grow and maintain. The only hope for your overall success, uh, enjoyment of life is intentionally going after good relationships with others. You invest time and nurture them and work through things or not. And you get those results. I have great and poor aspects in my own relational habits. As everyone close to me knows, uh, one of my favorite quotes that proves out this is we all tend to have victim mentalities. You're hearing this thread in relationships. And somebody once said, we judge others by our intent. We ju- I'm sorry. We judge ourselves by our intent. We judge others by their actions. But there's another truth as we judge others we, we judge others by our perceptions of their actions, which at best are only true 50% of the time, which means 50% of the time your perceptions of others is wrong. I really like to take that and stand on that as I'm dealing with people and I'm having feelings, especially negative feelings to know that, man, there's a 50% chance. I, I'm, that's not really who they are. It's not really what they're wanting to do. Maybe that's coming out because of their own pain. It's not really about me and I need to help salvage this relationship. I mean, folks, the biggest effort in my life is in this area. One, because it's ultimately the most important. And two, it's the one I could most naturally ignore. That's just an admission. I could be a hermit and just write and go for long runs and bike rides. I uh, get caught up in my own world. I think it's maybe why God led me to getting married early and ultimately nine kids and two grandkids at the age of 48. But most deathbed regrets, really nearly all, are right here. Relationships. It's never the most, it's seldom the most urgent thing in our life or the most attractive, compelling thing uh, above you know money and work and status and comfort in the moment. But... Again, most of my guests, as you've heard here on these shows, these habit shows have specific routines here, but I'll tell you not all it's, it's easy to make business and other progress, the focus and languish here, especially if you're, if you're younger, the the younger folks sometimes will have more of a void here. It takes intentionality, which goodness gracious with my big family is hard, but we have some established routines that are key. And more than that, just a staunch commitment. We at least have the knowledge and we're trying to walk forward in that. My family and friends testimony of me uh, trumps all in my relationships at the end of the day. Number three, folks, is mental. And as you keep hearing in these shows, your brain is truly a muscle, but we've never really looked at it that way culturally. You can control it to make nearly every day a good day and to live in peace no matter what. That is possible. Hard to believe? 
Definitely not the norm, very abnormal, but absolutely true. The problem is we don't proactively train our brains. Few do. I recently interviewed uh, Hal Elrod about the miracle morning, and the focus was really this, training our brains for a good day. So we either go with the flow of our feelings and emotions and the circumstances of the environment that will primarily lead us to the negative, or we decide the direction that our day, our mind is going to go, our our mental world is going to go. This right here is what I found in my own experience and in talking with all these amazing people is the most powerful area that you can focus on. It's going to dictate everything else, but choosing to accept this and take the reins is it's akin to learning to levitate. It's hard to really embrace and believe. There's an old quip about going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. I think a better analogy even or a more profound one is reading books about building muscle and listening to podcasts about building muscle and even going to a gym or buying weightlifting equipment about building mus- for, for building muscle won't do anything for you. Zero. Unless you actually grab something, pick it up, lift it, and strain and break down that muscle so it will grow stronger. You've got to get the benefit, and it's only going to come from the effort and the works. I mean, folks, reading positive material, self-help books, listening to this podcast and others, again, it'll give you positive. There is some benefit. It's not not quite that cut and dry. There are positive vibes, and that is good. It will increase your hope. There's great benefit. But ultimately, it's not reading or listening. It's studying and writing and deciding and committing and changing actions and creating habits. And that takes a lot of effort. As much as we try to say it's simple and you know, take baby steps, it, it is hard. Maybe simple, but not easy. Changing our behaviors and routines and jeopardizing our basic structure of life is hard. Few people do it, again, ever. We listen to all these people like you're, like, uh, on the show here, like you're listening to me, who make big changes and who live like few others. But the gap between that and the norm is just so huge. I don't, I don't know if that's actually motivating, but it's, it's a big deal. And it's just truth. So if you are struggling this aspect of, of mental work and the risk, there's a risk in it. There really is. There's going to be effort. There's going to be discomfort, but otherwise we succumb to the norm and mediocrity or spectator of all this greatness instead of actually being a participant. We want a good life. Uh, one we're proud of. One that we're proud to showcase to others, to showcase to our family, to give the butterfly effect to. Between the norm and that is making changes, taking a deep breath, making a new decision, a better decision, taking a new action. Number four, folks, on the seven spokes here is financial. Having more money than you need, having enough for everything you need uh, is one thing, but having more is one of the most empowering circumstances you're ever going to realize. And I'll say right off, most of my guests seem to have a, they they do, they have a really good, healthy relationship with money for the most part. Almost every one of them, uh, they are out to do good in their work and their lives to truly help humanity. And, and they are, otherwise I wouldn't have them on the show. Uh, I I wouldn't have vetted them and brought them on here, but they also give healthful and, and a robust focus to making money with no shame. I mean, one of my favorite perspectives on money came not long ago. It was show 699 with David Meltzer. Uh, in the Habits show, we talked about finances, and he said that along with doing good and helping people and doing work that mattered and using uh, his gifts, working in his giftings, a priority for any work he did, how he vetted it, was how much it paid him for the time spent, the effort spent. 
He knows he gives good value. He values his time and his effort and money. He said, allows him to shop for the things he needs to do uh, or, or shop for the things he needs to do what he feels called to. And I love that. It's so basic. I mean, have you ever been frustrated at not having enough money for something, something you wanted to do for your family or your spouse, or your kid or your friend or a family member or charity. And it wasn't about you. You didn't want money to, to pad yourself, to comfort yourself. You weren't being selfish. You wanted to do something out of love and you didn't have the resources. You didn't have the money, put that on a bigger scale. What if you felt called by God to do something and you didn't have the money and the resources, just as I say that, I mean, how many of you right away felt, think inherently that especially those Christians who grew up in church, well, gosh, if God calls me to something, of course he's, he should provide the money, right? Well, we can get into deep waters with that debate, but I'll say for myself, I have found myself in that place of feeling called to something and yet not having the resources. And I had to go look at, got to go look at what were my decisions amongst this? How, what have I done wise or unwise for my part? Uh, and back to David Meltzer, he's saying that, Giving priority to making money and having money helps him readily fulfill what he feels called to do and called to support. You know, I saw it in my own life. My dad, Dan Miller, most of you, many of you know from 48 Days, during my upbringing, we, my upbringing, my, I have younger brothers and sisters, but my upbringing, we seldom had much money, much extra money at least. And in my last years at home, we had about nothing. He nearly lost everything. I think I was probably well past 30 and long gone from home before he really had any substantial money. And now he has more than substantial. Uh, and he shamelessly says, man, he can do so much more today and help so many more people having, while, while he has money than he's ever able to do without it. That it's so empowering. I mean, folks, for disclosure, this is about my weakest area. And I've got my own baggage and story here. I've had some hard stories in business and with some big names, you'd be shocked to hear that uh, had some falls from grace or I saw some of the moral and ethical side. Now, it wasn't my dad. I will point that out. But where it made me question whether you could be a successful business person and be financially successful and still have morals and ethics that you stood for and really care for people as a priority and lead from the heart. I saw some heartbreaking things. And from it, I ran a bunch of businesses more like charities and I sabotaged them because you've got to have the resources. I was trying to prove that I was about heart and not money. And I strangled some businesses. In some ways, I'm still recovering and growing a healthy relationship with money and business today even. Uh, I, well, <laughs> I also burn more money in groceries than I think most people make in a month, but that's another story. Well, folks, the next one is spiritual. The fifth spoke, truly believing in a higher power and a bigger picture than in your own little world is profound. Those who don't statistically struggle with having any real hope or confidence in life, which is a volatile statement in today's world, I realize. But if I'm just doing commentary on the world's greatest influencers that most everyone's following, I'm just reporting what I've found. Uh, though personally, I will attest to this for myself. The masses today more and more claim a higher power, some sort, sort which, which is an in vogue belief, um, but they, do, they don't claim you know, any one power. That seems to be blasphemous in today's culture. Uh, it comes off as naive, small-minded, and you're a hater. But moving on aside from that, folks, even if you do have faith in something, does it have any real impact on your life? Few would say yes, even the so-called you know, church goers. But my focus here is if you believe in nothing 
Okay, that's as staunch a faith as anything, maybe more, if you believe in something, divine creation, that there's something, someone responsible for the galaxy and earth, and and you, how can you viably not give it any credence and devotion in your life? I'll tell you again, the guests on the show here, uh, this is an interesting one. Many are Christians or claim to be, though I'll I'll state that in today's world, this can cover a variety of beliefs and viewpoints. It's not a one size fits all. There have been many who don't claim anything specific, but almost all of them uh, attribute, there's a bigger story going on. They view spirituality in at least a humanitarian sense for serving and caring and loving others and attesting to love, which ultimately is glorious. Again, this wasn't a pitch to promote my specific belief and faith or even that of uh, the Ziegler Corporation necessarily, but to say that by far and large, Everyone has a habit in the spiritual arena here, the spiritual spoke. They have a belief and they feel like there's a bigger story going on and that it culminates with loving and serving others. So without that, I'm going to say there's a void. I mean, at the end of our days, though, I will say this. Just like relationships, the issue of spirituality and faith hits a crescendo for most everyone that testifies to it. I'm personally troubled that this spoke doesn't hold more weight for more people. Again, if you believe in nothing, that's your faith. It's a massive one. If you believe in something, then not giving that focus and devotion and priority in your life is is somewhat of a disconnect, I think. And I think we suffer from that. We see that with people where they get a little wishy-washy, a little lost. We see even really successful people who achieve amazing things and then things go totally upside down. Often we come to this point. Uh, There's nothing to be accountable to and give devotion to, or there is, if there is, how can you not give focus and attention to that accountability and devotion? So my personal belief, I will share that. I think it's probably well known and that of Ziegler is shamelessly and admittedly a believer in Jesus Christ. He has our devotion and, and all our positivity and inspiration, focus and belief and opportunity for our personal success. We also believe in an enemy who's actively and voraciously at work in our world and culture and our key to winning the battle of our culture and our flesh is calling upon our God and father and creator of everything. And he awaits us to reach out to him for help. So there's a statement of faith for, for us leading the show and the Ziegler corporation, of course, but the main focus is where is that spiritual spoke and why it has so much importance to people. And it's such a guiding light. And without it, we don't, see a whole lot of people that we're talking to who are really influencing others and having true success. Six spoke career folks. You're going to devote the majority of your waking life to work. Let me give you a quick paradigm shift. Uh, I own a movie called Jeremiah Johnson. It's about a mountain man. And in the movie, Robert Redford, in the movie at one point, he has a a wife or it was actually a squaw in the movie and a kid that they take care of. And they build a cabin and start doing regular life, you know, real life. And every day they wake up to work, to secure a roof over their heads, to patch the roof, to kill animals for food and clothing, to harvest vegetables, fight off animals and people, etc. I mean, their work was making a living, providing a living. And today we work to make money. And we buy things instead of making them or harvesting them. My point though, life is supposed to be work. We're wired for work. I mean, what else are we going to do? Innately, we desire to work, to do something worthwhile that matters to people, matters to us, 
to create and build and accomplish is part of our core fulfillment. It's really, it's really only been since the industrial revolution that work got labeled as the necessary evil to make a buck. Uh, they took in farmers and people like Jeremiah Johnson and said, Hey, you know, you can come in from the cold and the wet and the weather and work year round in relative comfort, pull this lever and we'll pay you well. You can buy then all the things that you need instead of busting your butt out there for it. It sounded pretty good until time went by. And these people who used to work valiantly and step back and see their accomplishment, whether it was building a barn or killing a meal and getting that fulfillment now just didn't really see the result of anything. They just pulled a lever or affixed a part to something on an assembly mine, and they didn't correlate any results and resulting fulfillment from that. And, and hey, in all due respect right there to anyone listening who works in a factory, there are fulfilling jobs there. So I'm painting with a broad brush. P please give me grace with that. But that is some of literally the uh, understanding, the reality of, of some of the things we saw with the advent of the Industrial Revolution. But my point here is we were built to work and to want to work. We just need to find fulfillment in our work. The, the, the way that it's been cast in today's culture is just not the healthful way that it was supposed to be. The most successful people on the planet defined by great levels of success in each of these seven spokes here really, really like their work, what they do. They would often do it in essence for free if they didn't need the money. Uh, it is not, however, like the pithy quote says, all fun and play, right? If the work is going to provide value to people and provide decent or grand money to you, it will have lots of hard work as a part. It will have trial and tribulation. Uh, I mean, just like out here, people come out here to my area of Colorado to climb 14 ers 14,000 foot uh, mountains. And man, that is hard. Nobody's doing that and thinking it's going to be easy. If they want it easy, you know, go walk in the mall or, or stroll through in a, in a wheelchair. They want the payoff of all the hardship it takes to get up there to go, man, I did this on my own two legs here. Finding work you really care about and will flourish in takes a lot of effort. Few make that effort. I personally, though, folks, I've never been able to get myself out of bed for work I don't care about and was good at doing the things that I was good at. Uh, there were a couple times here and there, and probably should have been more, where I did do work I wasn't totally thrilled with just to pay the bills, but rarely. And do what you need to do to survive when necessary for a time, but make it as short as possible. One of the greatest gifts to your life is doggedly pursuing work that pays you and pays you well, and you enjoy it. It's, if you enjoy it, that's chances where you'll find the work that does pay you the most. I think we have this. No, I know we have this really bad perception that, hey, if you go do what you really want to do, you're going to take a pay cut and, and live in squalor. And yet the people we find at the top of the heap financially are doing something that they love to do. We've given that perspective a really errant rap. Uh, and again, in this too, that you love – you're not going to love it if you're not working in your giftings and talents and doing something that at heart you really care about. If you view work as a necessary evil, you're doing it wrong. Go pursue change there. Folks, last spoke, personal. This is a spoke for you. There's an old proverb, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. But some writers have added to it saying all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All play and no work makes Jack a mere toy. But there's few people listening to this show who really have a problem with the latter. Too much play. Most need the first part. 
And, uh, you know, I'll say with the word play, I use that. I think, I think I speak that in the show sometimes to folks about the personal spoke. I, I hardly relate to that word, but here's the deal. There, some years ago, I realized that the people, men for the most part, since that's who I hang out with most, uh, but the men I respected the most put a priority on their play. Out here in Colorado, I know guys who are avid fly fishermen. Any chance they have, they head out to the river, the gold medal trout fishing waters, and they'll leave their family behind and go get a dose of needed me time. I have a buddy who calls himself a river rat, and he heads out for whitewater rafting or kayaking whenever he can. Uh, so many who are hikers and climbers, scaling sheer walls, or again, bagging 14ers, uh, those big mountains here in Colorado. During the cold season, of course, everyone seems to head for the ski slopes. Uh, my business partner and co-host of the True Life Show, Dr. Randy James, man, he loves ultimate Frisbee and soccer. He plays in leagues often. So he's a doctor, he's a father, he's a spouse. Uh, he does a lot of stuff at his church, and yet he does that because it fills him. And there was a time when it dawned on me how much a priority a lot of these guys that I really respect and revered, how much priority they put into their play, the things that gave them joy and made them smile big. Uh, and so I put more value on that. I actually was part of a talk with my wife where I said, we've got to make that not treat those things as a luxury, but as vital to our lives, like vitamins. So I've always been for years, I've been a trail runner. Um, though the past couple of years, my cycling bug came back. I was a pro cyclist for nearly half my life, mainly on the road. Uh, but I fully left it went really got into running. And now I had a, a mountain bike given to me. Cannondale sent me a hot rod cross country racing bike. And I'm out on the trails now every other day and doing races when I can. Generally I'll go to the races by myself. It is me time. I just, it's an investment in me. It's the, it, it fills me with joy, pushing myself, getting out in the woods, going my own speed as fast as I want. Uh, you know, there are things I do at home for play. I board, board games with the kids. I love, I'm a, I love Scrabble. Uh, playing Frisbee golf is now a common activity for us. But in truth, the focus here really for this spoke is, is what is personally fulfilling to you. So I see a lot of people who try to do this, but they always try to take care of their family, feeling like, gosh, I can't leave my family. And granted, if you're a workaholic and not seeing your family at all, it makes it hard for this, which brings in the balance aspect of life. Regardless, that's another issue. That's time management or being in survival mode or whatever, that there is a need. That's why Zig put this here as a spoke. There is a need for you to be investing in your self. And uh, I'll tell you another, another important thing is to know if you're married, for those of you who are married is to know what this is for your spouse and help make it a priority. Uh, guys, especially who have wives who are just pouring out and pouring out as women tend to do even more and don't ever take time for themselves give them time for yourselves. It, it was a while back that my wife and I started habitually giving each other sabbaticals where kind of like a family sabbatical, mommy or daddy sabbatical, where you get to go away for two, three days, maybe even more on your own and do what you want to do. And, and again, this is not the, you know, going and binge watching uh, TV and eating 15 bags of Cheetos for this. this. That's not what a sabbatical is about. I'll tell you mine are when I go away, I get focused time for a slow morning reading and writing, uh, then a long glorious, you know, mountain bike ride or trail running where I just wear myself out, come back and maybe more reading and writing than a perfect, just sumptuous meal. Great, uh, great red wine and probably a great inspiring movie. Something that really, that I really enjoy. It's a weekend of play and joy. Uh, another big one is with my wife going on beach vacations that are, that are fairly lavish. 
Um, but doing that and making the point is making it, it's not a luxury. It's not a luxury. We're talking about activities that you invest in that give you joy, that make you a better you, that fulfill your passions. And that may not be something that you do for money. There's so many things I enjoy. A lot of them I don't want to do for money. I just, I just do them for me. And you may think of it as, uh, again, as, as play, as this is, this is for you. And this makes you a better you. Well, folks, I know this is a rare show for me just to be monologuing on my own, but I just realize that it's easy to hear about these great habits and want to employ them for ourselves, but actually making a change and doing them, it is a big deal. It is, it can be simplistically sounded, it can sound simplistic, but it's not easy. Any change for the most part is not easy easy. And so going back to those five things, questioning those five areas uh, of, of yourself before you dive into habits is a big deal. Awareness, responsibility, desire, decisions, and justifications. Go think through those. That's a good journaling time. Go think through those areas for yourself. And then to look at each spoke and what I tried to give you here again is some of the, some of the, the high, the, the how and the why uh, behind each of these. So that as you're hearing all these people who at some point in their life made that big shift, they didn't start off as rock stars. A lot of them started off in really bad places and they realized I've got to change and their desire got big enough and they little by little started making these and everyone they made, it got a little easier to make the big one. And now you hear about them after a long journey, a huge gap was covered. And I'm trying to help you understand what that gap look like, looks like and how to make it. And, and, and folks, everybody, it, wherever place they are at, if they're at ground zero in the gutter, or if there's somebody I have here on the show who seems to have knocked it out of the park, uh, they're all still trying to figure out the next good change, the next progression. Nobody has fully arrived or will ever arrive. And I don't mean that to sound pessimistic and overwhelming, but who wants to arrive? Really, who wants to arrive? You know, I'm looking out here at Pike's Peak. Once you get to the top, there's not a lot to do. Check out the view. Enjoy it for a moment. The fun, the joy, the glory is on the way up. It really is. So who wants to, who wants to reach the absolute top? All right, there you go. I hope this was empowering to you on your journey of adopting more of these amazing habits, healthy habits to your life to achieve the next level of success and fulfillment on your journey as you are blessed and you bless others. Well, friends, we are the sum of our daily habits, but deciding and taking action on those habits is a big deal. I truly hope today's message is a great aid to you. I'll fill you in on our next episode after thanking some show sponsors. Coming up next in show 714, we hear from Zig Ziglar and one of his most foundational messages. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to divulge it. I'll tell you this. He talks about the irrefutable, most powerful influence to your overall success or demise. It's truly it's a fact, folks. No hype, no trick. I'm going to leave it at that and ask you to please do not miss the next show, episode 714. Till then, thank you truly, as always, for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.